Hello, everyone. This is WCCS Podcast, A Moment in History, and I'm Harrison Zyberg. And if my guests would like to introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Abba Lips, class of 21, and SGA president this year. So my first question is obviously, so we're, it's October 20th right now. We're over halfway through um, like the pandemic semester, basically, or the first full hybrid semester. I just want to know, how is it going for you? And if you, can, if you could compare it to uh, the few weeks of last semester when we had to all go remote. Oh, well, besides the suffering, I'd say that it is better than just being sent home remote. Being on campus has been good for me personally. And also we're at a point in the semester where say we can have people in our rooms. So the stress of not being able to complain to my friends as I work has been lifted. It's certainly strange, but a very, very different experience you know, the hybrid learning versus being forced to go remote. Mm -hmm. Do you, um, you said it's good besides the suffering. I guess you want to <laughs> by that? Uh, I mean, like, generally, everyone I know is suffering. And that sort of sucks. But, like, a lot of it is also normal amounts. I know midterms have been rough on a lot of people. Also, people who say finish their midterms, a lot of professors, specifically this semester, are trying to rush the end of term work so that they, like, for various reasons. One person said it was because they don't want to, they being the professors, don't want to have to deal with grading and doing stuff after Thanksgiving. People, it's just to get it done before the term ends. So there's a lot of people dealing with both that and midterms still and end of coursework still. I am not one of them. Thankfully, I finished my midterms and I was lucky enough to join classes with very understanding professors. But I'm personally just really affected by how people around me are doing, which is why I try to make things better. And if you could just um, pick, just as an example, one of the classes you have right now and tell us how it's adapted to this hybrid model. Mm, right now, I've been, I decided to take for fun a Droughts Tolkien class, which has been fantastic. And I think in many ways, he's one of the most adapted to hybrid. He has he claims to be technologically inept, but he has this whole setup where there's two cameras, one for the board and him, but one where he can actually send an image of the class, whoever's answering to those who are remote. So it's a much more immersive experience and not just the remote kids being projected onto the space next to the board, but not seeing into the room. Also, it's great to be remote for that class because he just starts talking and he doesn't stop, but it's interesting. So it's like just listening to a podcast. And if you have something really important as a TA helping him to, to keep him on track, but we'll like look and see if someone wants to speak and we'll like give time to everyone, which I think is super cool. And of course, 
the subject is easily interesting, at least to me because I'm a huge nerd, but. Yeah, if you had to give Whedon a letter grade of how it's adjusted this semester. Uh, I mean, on a curve, if we're curving <laughs> grades, comparing to like all the other colleges, I'd honestly give it like a solid A minus, at least for the classes I'm taking. But some people are like in much worse and less well-adjusted classes and that sucks. But as for like all things considered, it is not horrible, especially when you compare it to other institutions. And did, I'm, did, did you expect it to be horrible? I didn't have expectations at all. So that's just a me thing. I prefer to not psych myself up in the positive or negative. So that way I don't get surprised. But, you know, that's a personal coping mechanism. I was, I am actually a little bit surprised by how well Wheaton's done. I like had a betting pool going on when we'd be sent home with like different dates. Like I was like, yeah, either by September 15th, August 28th, or October 31st. And I mean, once we pass October 31st, then there'd be no reason unless everyone's dying to send us home. Mm -hmm. Going back, going back, I guess, yeah, at this point, like seven months or eight months, so back to uh, March, do you remember the first moment you learned that we Whedon was going to be going from full on campus to fully remote? I remember I was actually on spring break. It was such a sitting, like, it was such a, uh, you know, in Titanic where they're playing the instruments as the ship is going down. It was one of those moments. Like, I'm sitting there out to dinner with my family, with my best friend, holding glasses of wine, all dressed up, and we, like, and my friend had just heard from her school that they were going all remote, and then I saw from Wheaton, and I was like, ah, god damn it, I have to go back and pack everything, don't I? Um, how is, I guess, so you, you mentioned your SGA president. I just want to ask, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what that work has been like for this past semester? Because I was in SGA my sophomore year, so last year, I sort of know what we did, but like what has been SGA doing in these past few months? Well, I basically stepped into my role immediately because of COVID. We were put on a bunch of different commissions. I'm still on one uh, mental health working group where we're trying to work both with SGA members, student leaders, and faculty and staff to, you know, ensure everyone has okay mental health right now. But since then, just SGA work, I, David and I, David's the 21 class council chair as of a couple of weeks ago, work together to write a proposal to reimburse remote students for shipping costs for their regalia. Because if you're on campus, you just get it for free. But if you were off campus, a lot of people didn't know this, that you had to pay for shipping and now you don't. And that's just like something that we wouldn't have had to think of without COVID. But it's definitely like really strange, like the work we're doing and balancing it, especially 
say working with people who are asynchronous people who like are running their boards or on their class councils who are in completely different time zones but we've mm. and it's just been like a lot of behind the scenes work though lots and lots of meetings talking through we're like working on the community compact and then dean zach taking that to his own office once we were done and shifting it to his and the administration's needs mm. and then just continue just providing support but it's also strange because we're here and it's a it's just like this now mm -hmm. feeling and just trying to make it better within those bounds like and it's easier to do like to look at simple concrete things like moving around trash cans and moving around benches but we're finally getting into a place where there's like really big cool events and that's nice but otherwise just vibing i think it's the first time sga has ever just vibed though so i think that's a huge thing is so yes, you're SGA president, so we have 1,700 students. I guess I'm just wondering, like, is, do you have a feeling of responsibility for them? Like, is there an added pressure? Because you're also a senior. I'm just wondering, like, what are the, like, is this a well, added pressure onto you? Well, honestly, I thrive in the position. I thrive under pressure like this. It's one of the few types of pressure that I do well in. So it's like hard to accurately say because it's a good for me and I'm honestly doing very well, all things considered. But I do like, I want to help people be safe and help people be relatively happier. And I do like have a sense of also just commitment to the role because in general, when I say I do, I'm going to do something, I'll do it. Or, like, I'll try my best to do it. So there's a lot of things where I'm learning more how to balance what to say yes to and actually doing it. Which I'm not sure really answers the question. <laughs> but that's, that's fine. Like I, you don't yeah. have to actually answer the questions. Um. <laughs> oh, God, is this a presidential debate? <laughs> Um, so obviously this is a recording, it will be online, and then hopefully in the Weedon archives at some point. Um, so people will be able to look back at this, including yourself, um, in the future. Is there a message you would like to send future you who listens back to this? I'll be honest with you, I really hate looking back on old recordings of me. So like, I might look back on this if someone uses it in a project, but otherwise I really don't intend on ever listening to my voice again. But I do hope that future me is doing well. And I hope that maybe they're living in a world with a little bit more certainty and that they've had a hand in that. Uh I was going to say, I've had to listen to my voice now many times because of these recordings and it's never fun. Um, no, I bet. Oh, I hate having to self-edit. If I ever do anything majorly with video or audio, I need mm -hmm. to get someone else to edit it. Except for music. I can self-edit music fine. Mm -hmm. 
but then like there's sort of a disassociation between like the instrument the voice and what's actually happening because it's more like creating a sculpture or like art where voice it's more like writing and like writing's great but it can also like suck reading old writing um so guys to go back to the message question i really think this year is going to be studied pretty extensively just because of how much has happened during it um which is in part why this project exists if you could send a message to the future historians or documentary filmmakers or artists who are trying to depict 2020 what would you tell them about what's the message you would send them about what living through this year was like just that's really weird in that personally the way i've gotten through it is a mix of uh i'll burn that bridge while i get to it in learning how to run away in little ways so i don't feel like i have to run away at all and i guess to talk a little bit more about those potential historians or uh, whoever looks back at this year um what issues or moments do you think they're going to focus on and then maybe what issues or moments do you think they'll forget or neglect to talk about hmm i feel like everyone's going to forget murder hornets because that's already happened and there was the whole thing where the CIA supposedly released videos about like UFOs which was again like just ignored god if that come out during the meme rush for invading area 51 completely different story mm -hmm. i think definitely like the nationwide uprisings will be studied but i think people are going to forget that they're still happening up until now because people are already forgetting that none of it stopped and mm. people will look back and be like wait that was still happening at this point because we've so moved on like if you like scroll through archived twitter in like 30 years mm. you're going to find people talking about not necessarily what's really happening but what's captured their imagination at this point because I think it's easier to bounce between the disasters than it is to focus on an ongoing one. Um, is what, what are your majors? I'm a Russian major. A Russian major. Has this past year affected at all how you view what you study? I mean, not really because a lot of what I'm studying are things still in the past. And I gave up like, all, I used to, I came into Wheaton as an IR major and I decided immediately that I can read critical theory on my own without being graded on it or banging my head through a wall. And that Russian was a lot more fun. I had actually started taking the classes to fill out the IR's insane language requirement. And I realized Russian history was a lot more fun. Um, what do you miss most about pre-COVID months, pre-COVID times? Oh my god, I miss going, uh, I miss dancing, like, partly because it took me so long in my own life to gain the confidence to not care and to just, like, let myself move. But this year, like, I turned 21 in February, right before COVID started, and, like, me and my friends had had plans since we were 12 about what we were going to do and obviously those plans didn't happen so that's too bad like 
and yeah, that's what I guess I miss. Like, I'm not very bothered by masks or anything. I use hand sanitizer anyways because I'm a hygienic human person. Uh, yeah. No, oh, I miss shows. Oh my god, do I miss shows. Like, I miss getting weird bruises from mosh pits. I hate that I miss it. I hate that I miss, like, the smell of cheap beer on the floor. But yeah, I miss being a part of a crowd. I think that's it. That's like the like synthesis of what I really miss is being mm -hmm. an individual in a crowd of people. Well, when do you think, if not already, that you'll be able to shake someone's hand without feeling weird about it? Well, generally I feel weird about shaking people's hands anyway, not oh. like for COVID reasons, but in general, like that's something like very professional that's relegated to that realm that's like what I do with friends of my grandfather or like you know administration members I'm really much more of a like polite smile greeting sort of person and then of course good friends know they can hug me I just forget I can hug them um what has been so if anything these past few months um, have been stressful for a variety of reasons. What are some either shows you've been watching or books you've been reading or hobbies you've picked up that have helped pass the time? Honestly, I started at the beginning of quarantine going and taking my car out for like one hour drives in any direction, getting a large iced coffee and bumping a new album. And I started bringing my little brother because he needed to get the hell out of our house and he would pay for coffee and gas. So that's something I've picked up is I've been like driving nowhere more. I haven't, wait, I did start one new thing is my friend lent me his mandolin and I, it's finally an instrument that I can actually play. I'm really excited to be horrible at it. I've already got blisters on my hands, but you know, I started so I guess I did pick up a new instrument, but that's more recently. I painted a lot over the beginning of quarantine. I painted the biggest painting I've ever managed. It's like a four by six oil on canvas that now is taking up space in my mother's house. <laughs> did, did anything that happened or like themes of 2020, did that end up in the paintings you did? Yeah, totally. No, the big one. It, it's like, I'm just proud because it's really big. I'm not sure how good it is, but it's got fun colors, but it's two people holding each other, looking down and this, like it's at night, there's ocean and mountains in the background and the city is on fire. There are people on the roofs waving flags, but then to the side, there's just like a glass palace with people dancing inside wearing animal masks and like just like pink cakes and I think that does speak to some themes that I've picked up on with a year especially considering I painted this in late May early June. Has your has your attitude towards COVID and quarantine just this year I guess how has it changed since early March or January to now in October? I'm like definitely like I hate that I've gotten used to it, but in many ways I've just gotten used to it. And like, also there were times, like 
I did get worn down at some point by like family members and friends about, hey, let's like this restaurant's safe. Let's like go out for a meal. And I kind of regret letting myself get worn down on that. Mm. But like it's hard when other people are like, or it's something interesting about COVID that people treat is like people's little like rituals about it that are like really remind us that we're much closer to an age of before science to an age of like magical things like the, Oh, if I like, like I like the rules, like you wear your mask, except when you have food in front of you, which is like kind of like ridiculous. You shouldn't be able to be out like food at all. But like the idea that like, people are treating things like suddenly it's like okay if you do a certain ritual mm-hmm. around it even though that's like not really the scientific truth but i think also people need that to feel more comfortable with it all mm-hmm. like as a way to like feel like you've got control over the horror of your life but what is um i guess what does a typical day for you look like in these past few weeks few weeks uh like i wake up i wake up like unconsciously early i hate it i wake up at like seven every day and i'll go check my phone check my emails they'll like roll out of bed and make a cup of coffee and figure out what's on my schedule for the day like pace around my room get dressed and i've got like i just have a ton of meetings most mornings so I'll go attend this over Zoom, maybe try and go get out, go for a walk. I have enough hybrid classes that mm. I've been getting better about going to in person. But it's really nice, actually. I love being able to attend online. Did, um, so I just started asking this question recently. Um, but do you think this year has made you more anxious or nervous or scared of certain aspects of just like everyday life because of it's sort of dangerous to go outside now or have you been able to try to I guess that's the question have you become more scared no like there's more things that I'm nervous about certainly and I like certainly am like anxious but I'm anxious about things that are like less COVID related I'm anxious about things like my work, like my friends, my family, the election, but like, but like, it would suck. Like I probably would, like, I am immunocompromised. I'll probably get really like, might be better off dead if I do get it and it's symptomatic. It's going to suck. It's not going to be good for me. But when it comes to outside, like outside is so much more of a refuge for me. I don't really think about it. Like I'll go for long walks in the woods or again, like go drive my car somewhere, Mm -hmm. get out. And also say like earlier in the year here when it was still warm, going out and meeting up with friends, sitting on the dimple, like far away from each other, enjoying the sun. Mm -hmm. Like that, that was like enough of a joy. I also just don't have normal fear responses. (laughs) So it's a bad question to ask me. <laughs> and we can um, move on. I guess in the last, uh, just if you think in a roughly two-week time frame, doesn't actually actually be two weeks. But what has been, do you think, the biggest event or news event or influential event that has happened in these past two weeks? I don't. 
like, I mean, watching the debates, uh, there's things like, you know, watching Trump basically, like, the stand down but stand by line was pretty spicy, but just, like, the continuing knowledge that I am not quite wrong about any of the opinions I had in 2016. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I know there was, like, a huge earthquake in Alaska, and is Ca- California still on fire, and Nevada's on fire. And it's, it's when people say things like California's on fire in these interviews that I really wonder what people in the future, if they do listen to these, will be like, wait, what does that mean? And they'll have to yeah. try to figure, like, oh, there's been wildfires <laughs> for, like, months. Yeah, and it's, like, cleared out. I actually, some distant family of mine lost their home because of it. Hmm. It's not just, like, forest fires. They're, like, getting into the towns and a lot of, like, the outer towns of California. Mm-hmm. have been just, like, erased, which is wild to me. It is or, like, I know. Is that what you're saying? Just also, I just remembered that Colorado is also on fire. Um, like a few questions ago, you mentioned the election, which is 15 days, 14 days from now. It's very close. Um, general question, just what are your thoughts regarding the 2020 elections? I am certainly interested to see how this will go. Because I do not trust that even if Biden wins in a landslide, that Trump will stand down and will accept it or like and that those around him will support him not accepting it i was actually very freaked out i was more freaked out by pence in his debate than trump because trump is just trump pence actually has a brain and it's not being used for good but that's also now i feel like I'll be real with you. Like, I'm not excited about Biden. I am happy with the idea of getting to the bare minimum of not having someone who really likes the taste of fascism. Mm -hmm. That's, like, gonna, like, sweet, but, like, I don't know. Like, I've already voted. Thanks, Massachusetts. Not, like, though my presidential vote in Massachusetts doesn't really matter. I was more excited about yes on two, which is the ranked choice voting, which I think will actually do a mm-hmm. lot of good mm-hmm. for people. I also think it will make people feel better about voting because that way you can actually put your first choice as who you actually are excited about voting for rather than mm-hmm. being told to follow the American way of voting for the lesser of two evils and the fact that for like the last several decades that's been the line about voting in America. Mm-hmm. It's kind of horrifying because you're still voting for an evil, aren't you? Mm, it is. I, I'm very curious as to what future people will think about the 2020 election, also the candidates. I know my opinions mm-hmm. towards Biden have changed over these past few months, but it's been def- it will be an interesting thing to try to like track, especially amongst young people. Yeah. 
I think it's also going to, it depends on what the results are. Mm. Like how people view now will completely depend on what the world looks like in the next five years. The framework of history determines how it's seen, I guess. Mm. So. Uh, Here's a question that a professor gave me to ask. when it comes to, I guess, again, thinking back to even before 2020, how have your, if you had any plans for the year, how have they changed at all? How has a trip you had planned or something like something you had planned in the year 2020? Or did, if you had anything planned in 2020, how has that changed? Oh. Happened? Well, I was going to, I was working on planning a trip when I first heard about COVID. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to push that to the side and not do it where me and my friends were all supposed to go to Vegas for my 21st birthday. Obviously that didn't happen. And thankfully, like I had like looked, like I knew something was up by the beginning of February. Like I knew. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to push this off. This isn't good. But so I like didn't do that. My summer was a lot. Oh my God. Wait, I was supposed to go to St. Petersburg for the summer. Like, I mean, it's probably good for my liver that I didn't, but I lost a very valuable language learning and connection opportunity because of COVID. And, like, that's, like, really too bad. I think, like, it's definitely, like, impacted the course of my life in ways that I won't yet see, but it's impacted the course of everyone's life basically just as much. Mm -hmm. Do you think this year will serve as, like, like a generational moment. It's going to be something that people around our oh, age yeah. is going to like stick with them. Oh, for yeah. Lives. Yeah. It's going to stick with everyone. I think it's just the people like we will in people older will understand what it means in a way that people younger, like won't, they'll like know it happened, but won't really like understand what it meant for them. Like I'm looking back, say at 2016 and like, I didn't really under, like, I had ideas, but I didn't really understand what that would mean. But also looking back further, like, to, like, the 2008 housing crisis, which, like, completely, like, destroyed older millennials in a way that we will never understand. Like, it's the beginning of Gen Z, but, like, we, like, did, like, get the experience of, say, like, watching parents fight more or, like, worse. Or, like, growing up in the shadow of 9-11, we, like, grew up in the shadow of that. And, like, say kids who are, like, like in preschool now or, like, five or six who are just on, like, remote learning won't, like, like will have memories but won't understand mm-hmm. what they mean until long in the future. But, yeah, no, this is definitely going to just be a mark on the human psyche for the rest of time. What do you, what do you hope you take away from this year? I don't know. I'm just surviving and doing my best. I hope that generally people will be better about, say, listening to scientists, experts, doctors. I hope that the flaws in our world and our system that have been shown by this, people will actually do something about it instead of just ignoring it when it falls away but I like 
can't be too sure. I know that it's going to impact how I think, but until that settles in over the next several years, I can't really say. Do you think your relationship with technology has changed at all? Oh, I was like super like online before anyways, like mm. I had like finally started a Twitter before like la a year ago and I've been running an Instagram meme account for years. So like I'm there, but like now because it's definitely changed my relationship to work and technology because it's no longer like a tool it's like the place i use too did the did the meme account humor did it get darker as 2020 went along it's always been pretty dark mm -hmm. <laughs> like just new material but also there's just been like i find like meme culture in general is shifting and dying in many ways and I think maybe that's just because the people who really invented it are growing up mm -hmm. lives. Also, it's just taking on new forms. Like the people who would have like made memes are now making TikToks mm -hmm. because it's definitely like, it's also like become more and more like small community oriented. It's not like a pan meme culture anymore. Like there's leftist memes, there's old people meme. Like mm -hmm. there's, anyway, there's so many like different, places and things and also just social media platforms the way their algorithms are don't really support like the sharing anymore like you can like share things with your friend group with your in group mm -hmm. but the way social media has become so tailored to people seeing only things that they'll respond positively to I think has broken it's like what how the golden age of YouTube was killed by the YouTube algorithm um do you think we're nearing the end of my questions but do you think do you think there's any going back to like a like life before 2020 or do you think no and i don't think we should absolutely do like life was not good before 2020 mm -hmm. life was horrifying for a lot of people and i think 2020 just was like enough stress to show people where was broken mm -hmm. like you know when you're stress testing a machine or a bike or a program but i do not think also with like just the collective trauma of everyone there's no way you can go back i think we can take like nice simple things i think like yeah there will be shows again yes there will be crowds again but that's just a human thing that exists in all societies and all courses mm -hmm. of humanity no matter what is people just like gathering and like sharing stories and like euphoria but in general i do not think that it's going to be the same and i think though i think there will be a push to try and pretend that it is um do you th i guess uh i to say is there anything else that i haven't mentioned or haven't talked about that you'd want to say before we i say the last few questions i guess like that thought just spurred me like thinking about how already advertisers are jumping on how people want the pandemic to be over with like already talking about it in the past, even though it's continuous and ongoing and there's no vaccine, no good cure. If there is a cure, it's only available to the rich or the people who are one step away from dying. 
so that's not very good but like I saw a car ad that was like oh like we kept you safe during the pandemic so you should buy our cars but Mm -hmm. like they didn't and the pandemic's not over What's the, when the pandemic is over, when there's a vaccine, what's the first thing you want to do? It's it's I think I want to go to like a shitty basement punk show. That's (laughs) what I'm going to do. Do you think there is sort of, I guess we're in October um, right now. This has been going on for seven months. New England was hit pretty hard early on and then it went down for a while. It's going back up. Um, do you think that people are ready or prepared for a second wave? That they have the same mentality of staying safe? No, 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 no. I'll be real with you. I think we're screwed in many ways. And the best mm-hmm. things we can do is again burn the bridges when we get to it and try and do better. But I think in general, both the New England mentality and the American mentality is going to end with more people killed mm-hmm. and more people dead. And it's going to be horrible. Mm-hmm. Like, especially like people aren't excited about it anymore. So how are we going to fund hospitals so they actually have enough? I remember the last high point when they had to use the Patriots private jet to bring in enough masks for hospitals. Mm-hmm. I think people are like really pushing that memory away. But I wouldn't be surprised, especially come winter and with people like relaxing people say wanting desperately to see their families or I'm from Salem Massachusetts Mm. and people just keep going there even though all the events are closed a lot of the restaurants are closed it's shoulder to shoulder people I like actually unfollowed someone because I didn't know them well enough to like talk to them or care because Mm. they're like oh I'm in Salem for spooky season even like it's like a week soon I'm like no don't nobody wants you but like that's Mm. also why Salem's like having a huge spike in cases is because the type of people who think it's really cool to like go on vacation right now aren't necessarily the type of people who are really good about things like wearing masks or caring about other people who aren't their own families and part of their extended sense of selfhood. Do you, um, I specifically to talk about Whedon do you think the attitude has stayed the same? Do you think people are taking it seriously or do you think it's sort of just become like that, whatever? I think people are taking it, like it's become culturally ingrained to take it fairly seriously. Like even when people, like people who are like say bending the rules are doing it in such a way where they're still trying to keep each other safe. Like people who go out into the woods to get fucked up but are still sitting like six feet away from each other and wearing masks, like, when new people come up but Mm. like yet are like having like snake gatherings i think just like wheat and culture has been like a lit like has like engendered this sort of like people care even when they're like saying fuck this it's like Mm. a really like half-assed fuck this do you um with the second wave coming do you think on campus second semester is going to be a thing Really, I don't know. I think it all depends on what happens with the election. And I hate that the virus has been so politicized that there isn't a good response. Mm-hmm. Like, and it like depends. Like, will there be a vaccine coming out? Will it be reliable? Will people have access to it? Like, 
there's so many things going on, but I think Wheaton itself is surprisingly well prepared. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think part of that is because they do the twice weekly testing. So they're more on top of it than anyone else. Mm -hmm. It also like by being tested every week, you're reminded that the virus is still a thing. You can't forget that you might get sick or get someone else sick when you've got a Q-tip stuck up your nose. Have, have you ever forgotten the virus is a thing? No, I like, I've never forgotten my mask or anything. Like, I've, like, it's definitely, like, in my mind, but I definitely, like, relax, say, more around, like, friends. I've been mm. relaxed, say, you know, about things. Mm. I just accidentally deleted an email. Let me undelete that. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know for me, it's, I've, I always wear a mask and I'm remote, so I'm not really around people. But if I go, there's, like, been two or three times where I've walked out the door, been down my steps, and like, oh, COVID, I've had to turn around and grab a mask. Uh, just because I would forgot somehow forgot seven months into a pandemic that there was a pandemic. Sir, I think honestly, part of what keeps it on my mind is I coordinate my masks to my outfits, <laughs> so it's more part of that uh, ritual, and that ritual is so important to me mm -hmm. that it makes me remember it more. I also keep extra masks in my backpack and car because I know myself to be forgetful. So we'll move on to the last two questions. Now you are the, I need to do the math right, 43rd interview. So, and these are the only two questions that have stayed the same. Um, but what do you think the next steps for you, for your family, for the school, whatever, whoever group or person you want to assign it to, but what do you think the next steps moving forward are? Well, personally, like my own next steps, are very big because I'm graduating so I need to figure out how I'm going to survive after this without the framework of an institution without like the framework all that and I I've just been hoping that the pandemic is largely over by the time I graduate but mm -hmm. at this point I'm becoming less and less certain of that so Oh, my family, like, dealt with a lot. Like, my dad had, like, lost his job, but now my mom has a job, so I'm less worried about them. Mm -hmm. They're fine. The world, in the end, will be okay. It might not be the world we recognize or even one we can live in, but the world will be okay. And as for me, I'm going to try and get a job far away for a while until I figure out what I want to do with my life. No, there's a food service job in Antarctica that honestly sounds great. I like get to vibe for 10 months ma making food and passive income because I can't spend it on anything because I'm going to be in Antarctica <laughs> and that I can like spend my free time trying to figure out if I want to go to law school or not. And then and the last question, which that's probably the most direct, but are you hopeful? Yeah. I'm just a hopeful person in general. Like, I don't, like, have specific hopes. But again, like I just said, I think mm -hmm. that the world's going to be okay, especially as long as we work to take care of each other. Even if it goes through, like, 
you know, a couple of decades of Mad Max style nonsense, you know. I mean, that happened in Star Trek, and eventually they got the Federation, so that's cool. But, like, people will always be people, and that means people will always look for little ways to be joyful. And in that, I think we'll be fine. Well, then, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with me today, and thank you for sharing. Thanks for interviewing me Mm -hmm. and doing this project. I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thank you. So yeah, once again, this was WCCS Podcast, A Moment in History. I'm Harrison Zyberg, and for all the people listening to this in the next few days when it's posted, uh, thank you for listening. For all the people who may listen to this in the future, I hope this tells you a little bit more about what it was like to live through this time. And thank you for listening.